Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Raging Marks Wrestling Podcast, where three diehard wrestling fans get around a table and bullshit about everything going on in the wrestling world. So, welcome to yet another edition. This is Ravishing Randy. For the trio, on my right, we got... Total Nonstop Kirk, TNK. What's going on, guys? Yo, on my left, I got Rampage Ramsey, and uh, I'm sure we got a good bit we're going to be rampaging about tonight, buddy. Hell yeah. <laughs> I know he's uh, had a rough day today, so I'll let Ramsey uh, chime in when he wants to, because we got some news to discuss, and uh, boy, do. oh boy. Uh, so, <laughs> we are recording this just a few days out from yet another round of WWE talent releases. Seems so, like a common thread that's been happening more often than not. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like every time we come to do these news segments, it's like, oh, there's yet another slew of cuts, let's, let's dive into it. But I mean, this one... This one hits pretty big, uh, at least with some of the names that are on there. So November 4th, we had uh, another 14 wrestlers that were cut from the company. Uh, B-Fab of Hit Row, Ember Moon, Eva Marie, Frankie Monet, Grand Metalik, Harry Smith, son of uh, Davy Boy Smith, uh, Jeet Rama, Jesse Kamea, Karrion Cross, Katrina Cortez, Keith Lee, Lindsay Dorado, Mia Yim, Nia Jax, uh, Oni Lorcan, Scarlett Bordeaux, Trey Baxter, and Zeta Ramir. Um, WWE made these roster cuts on Thursday. There's several different reports that are going around about this, that um, several of the names that were on that list uh, were reportedly unvaccinated, and that, that might have led to their release. Um, one, in the case of like Nia Jax, says that she was on an approved mental health break. Uh, when she got the news. Granted, she had also uh, asked for that to be extended uh, by another few weeks, and then instead they gave her a release. Um, there's just so much rumor and innuendo that's out there in regards to, uh, to why some of these names were released. I'll just go ahead and open the floor to discussion here. TNK, go ahead. All right, well, I mean, I'm not necessarily buying the, the vaccination thing per se, because like I said, more people were released that were supposedly vaccinated than un, but that could be something maybe. Who knows? I don't think so. But to me, this is just a youth statement. We're going younger. A lot of these people are like Triple H hires from NXT back in the day, the indie days. You know, so far they released 71 people this year. Uh, they seem to be releasing them in waves throughout the year. And I know back at, you know, what, two years ago, the plan was WWE, you know, had the territories like Rampage, Ramsey was saying a while back ago. And now you have all this talent, you're not doing anything with them. But then, you know, like, you were going to do, what, a third uh, revamp of Karrion Cross's character, and then you release him. And obviously you release him and his fiance Scarlett Boudreaux, or Bordeaux. And then uh, Keith Lee, who just got repackaged as Bearcat, you release him and his fiance Mia Yim. So, I mean, it's just kind of strange that, what's the purpose? Why can't you develop talent that you already have on your roster on the main roster, and then you just release them? Those are names that I felt Raw could have used that really surprised me. What, just what really pisses me off about this round of, uh, of releases, too, like, first off, I'm happy for guys like um, Keith Lee and Karrion Cross that, you know, were superstars, um, you know, Vince McMahon constantly talks about how WWE, they're in the business of making superstars. These guys were ready-made superstars in NXT. When they got to the main roster, everybody was ready to root them on and to support them, to buy the merch, to fucking buy tickets to see them. 
and then they sh just shat all over the characters. I mean, it, it was so funny. I was watching something earlier today that kind of really did a deep dive into the Keith Lee release, and it's like, you know, part of the things that made Keith Lee such a draw and what, what really got fans to pay attention to him is for a guy that big, he could move like a freaking lucha um, a Lucha Libre star. The fact that this dude could do flips, moonsaults out of the ring, all this other stuff. You just don't see big men moving like him. You know, so he wasn't just power. He was finesse. He was everything. And then he gets to the main roster, and one of the first things that Vince does is try to strip every single thing that makes him unique away. Um, he was very charismatic in the smooth way that he talked when he was on the microphone. Instead, he gets to the main roster. He's a bumbling idiot. And then with this recent rebranding as Bearcat Lee, you know, all of a sudden he's just pissed off all the time, grunting. And all that. That's not what drew people to Keith Lee to begin with. And so this whole thing that Vince McMahon took a very hands-on approach in the repackaging and molding of Keith Lee, like... It wasn't WWE guys. They're now going for WWE developmental territory only. They're making a statement. You have to come through our performance center. We need to develop you as... You need to follow the WWE way. If you were an indie guy who came on board, a Triple H hire, I'm sorry, you're just not what we're looking for now. And there are still maybe a couple of guys still on the main roster that were that, but they're seen to be going by the wayside. They're not the guys that are currently at the top upper echelon, like Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, See, but Finn Balor. Those guys are on the, the stars, but they're not like... I'm going to call bullshit, though, on this whole they need to be developed through our ranks. They need to be, you know, taught in the WWE style. Because let's go back to when the WWF fucking exploded in the late 80s. Where did they get all those superstars from? They weren't grown in-house in the WWF. No, no you're making... No, they making, got it from all the different Yeah, but you're making my point because there weren't Vince's guys. Vince would get them, unless you're Ric Flair... Everybody else got repackaged into something else. So when NXT, when Keith Lee and Karrion Cross were in NXT, they still weren't... Vince didn't know who the fuck they were because it was Triple H. So when they come to the main roster, WWE, they're not... Vince doesn't know who these guys are. As much as, you know, you're like, dude, you're like the king of wrestling. You should know everything about everything. He doesn't. He's fucking... He doesn't know. He's so what, he wants 72, to... 73? I think he's 75. So he needs to... Un, He's just not hip with it, and he still looks at these guys. He's like, oh, I, well, whatever made you a star, that's not going to make you a star here. My eyes, pal. you got to pass my test. And he doesn't do shit with them. That's how it's been for the past 20 years since you know WCW folded. I'm, so, I'm sorry, but one thing about Triple H, he made Karrion Cross right now the most ready to go against <coughs> the supposedly Roman, the, the going to be the all-time leader and. The Universal um, champion, champion or whatever. Days, reign. Title reign, yeah. Um, he's the most ready. He was unstoppable. He was unbeatable in NXT. The character was there. The character was there. All you had to do was just move on in, keep doing the win streak, keep dominating. Boom, boom, boom. Don't let him drop the fucking NXT title. Let him go down and compete with it. Keep going. Make it a big thing. Kind of like what they did with, you know, I'm going to butcher your name. Oscar. I was just gonna say Oscar. I was just gonna say Oscar. Just, just keep the ball rolling, and then have them build him up, and then have that rumor. You could, you could have Karen Cross win, if you know, if the Rock and and, and Roman was not going to happen in WrestleMania. Karen like Cross wins Royal Rumble. Bring that in. Now you got two people that having dynamic runs. 
meet, and then now you have a, a great freaking met. You got a, a great story. Some, I mean, just some of these names make absolutely well, some no of them sense. did ask for their release, but yes, go ahead. I mean, no, I'm ones. sure, but like, okay, so BFAB, for instance. Not that I was a huge fan of BFAB, but I mean, she wrestled a handful of matches on NXT, and then all of a sudden, boom, she gets called up to the main roster. She's on the main roster for a week. Yeah, one week. Yeah. A week. And then you cut her. What the fuck was the point of bringing her up in the first place? Ember Moon. Criminally underutilized. To, to Ramsey's point, probably one of the more athletic women on the roster. No, person. Oh, there you go. Even, I think she's a top five. Probably out of all their, their... She's probably top five athletically. Number two in the women's behind Bianca Belair. But besides Rick, uh, Ricochet and, and some others... Who's more athletic? Who takes more chances off, 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 uh, you know, top ropes? She's, she has, she has the whole package. I mean, one name that makes sense is Eva Marie. No, but there's what, two names that make sense. No, well, no, 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 no. But, but my point with Eva Marie is this, okay? And, and this is the the mind, the mind-boggling thing. When they signed her and brought her back, Creative admitted they had nothing for her. Why the fuck did you sign her back if you had no plans for her whatsoever? They did have plans. The plans were they did the exact same thing before she left. They no, they, they ended again. up they ended up going to that because they, they legitimately they had, no had nothing for her. It was one of those things they signed her, she showed up for work and they were like, Wait, you're here? Uh oh fuck. Not like legit. That's one like, of the reports that's fuck. come out with what they did with Eva Marie. They just Fucking makes no sense. But I do have one to have to give an applause to. Nia Jax. Thank God I don't have to fucking see her wrestle because she ain't no one else gonna pick her ass up. That's the thing, man. I part of feel kind of bad because like I don't see any other company touching her, and she's bad. been pretty reckless. She's had a seven-year run career, and I, I I wasn't a big Nia Jax fan because she was very clumsy in the ring. She, she was injured a lot. She, look, let's be honest, man. She was the female Mabel, man. I know she just was. She injured a lot of people, whether intentionally or unintentionally, just because she was kind of clumsy and reckless at times. You know, like I'm not. I'm never happy to see people go. Oh, me neither, I mean, man. I don't. It, this I'm not is happy that, that. That's one that I'm not. Upset over it either. Well, I'm not yeah. upset, but I'm not like I'm not out of all these other names that had extreme talent to see I'll her name on there. I'm like that makes sense. If, if you can release a Keith Lee and Karrion Cross, you can damn sure release it as uh, Nia So now, can we talk about the bullshit that yeah, the, WWE was talking the, about? The fact that this was veiled, or, or when they when they made this release, they said it was due to budget cuts. So I mean, by all means, Ramsey, go ahead and you know. So budget cuts, and the same day that the releases. They came out with their third quarter figures. Before the releases, mind you. Before the releases. Go ahead. So, revenue was uh, was $255.8 million, an increase of 15%. Um, operating income was $64 million, an increase of 1%. Adjusted OEDA was 779 a decrease of 8%, or $6.4 million. But they returned to live events, and it was big money that they got in. Merchandise sales were up 155% from this time uh, this year than last year. Digital video views were a record 12.8 billion, increase of 39%. And hours consumed was recorded 411 
million, an increase of 20% across digital and social platforms. So, really? Budget cuts? They're making, they're making money hand over fist. And it, it just, it, it seems like, I, I don't I don't understand. It seems like unless you're involved in the main event picture, like unless you either have the heavyweight title or you're competing for the heavyweight title, they have nothing for the mid-carders. They have nothing for the undercard. They, like, creative is, uh, we bitched about creative. We've done episodes about what's wrong with Raw, what's wrong with WWE, how to fix it. We've gone over it in the quarterly uh, State of Wrestling uh, episodes. But it's just, it's such a mind fuck that they can't book anything outside of the main event picture. And it just further... It this further, sounds like exactly what we're going to be talking about for our main segment show. This sounds awfully familiar to what we're going to be talking about with WCW towards the end of the day. It's the same bullshit. But it, no it, long-term storytelling. It, you, it, it just it, it, it gets you disenfranchised in the product. Like I don't want to hate WWE. I really don't. They make it hard to like them, though. Especially nowadays. It's... It's getting harder and harder as a fan to want to continually invest in a product that I feel like doesn't really care about. It, remember a couple of years ago when, when the whole McMahon family stood in the ring and they were like, no, this is your show. Oh, we're we're, we're going gonna, gonna to listen to the fans. Yeah, we're going to listen to the fans. We're going to let you decide what's going on. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Why? no. Falls on deaf ears. Because, like, dude, like, for crying out loud, like, any Vince McMahon is going to do what he's going to do. For instance, like, Hulk Hogan main evented four WrestleManias in a row. Uh, who else main evented four WrestleManias in a row? Fucking Roman Reigns. You know who didn't main event a WrestleMania? You guys like CM Punk, Ric Flair. Oh, because we got to push Roman to the stratosphere. We have to have him break Hulk Hogan. We got to eliminate Hulk Hogan out of the record books because, you know, F Hulk Hogan. So now we're going to shove this guy down your throat like they did for years on end with Cena. It's like, why not let the fans dictate who we want as champion and stop force-feeding us what you want us to do? We're buying the tickets. We pay for the merchandise. You, matter of fact, you do the opposite. When we root for guys, if, if, if they're not the guys you want us to root for, you punish them. We've look seen at, that time like and time again. Rusev. Um, you, you know, I mean, those are two names that immediately come to mind. Um, Sami Zayn is uh, yet another one. Kevin Owens for a good stretch there, especially recently. Like, it just, you know, like like I said, I had coworkers that continually shit on WWE, and they're like, "Why do you still watch? Why do you still watch?" It's like because I mean, I grew up with it. I love wrestling, you know. And it's like, it, it's one of those things that even LSU, even when they're sucking, I'm still gonna watch because it's LSU. I love LSU. Even when the Saints suck, I'm still gonna watch the Saints because I love the Saints. It's like, I want WWE to succeed. But even to freaking CM Punk's point that he made in the infamous Pipe Bomb uh, promo, you know, Vince is a millionaire who should be a billionaire, and the only reason why he's not is because he insists, and now I'm paraphrasing, but he insists on his vision being right no matter what everybody else tells him is right. It's 100% truth. And that's just the way it's going to be. And But here's the thing, though, man. It's apparently, they're going to be... Supposedly, I heard there's going to be more releases. So I wouldn't be shocked if that comes out in the weeks to come. But we'll probably see it as soon as uh, next week. Yeah. All right. End of the week. Yeah. There'll be more. Um, 
if there is one thing, I feel like we do have to slide at least a little AEW into this. Um, Tony Khan has expressed interest in some of these released WWE superstars. Uh, speaking with Wade Keller of PW Torch, uh, Khan said, every time they cut 20 people, let's just say it's terrible because every time someone loses a job, it's affecting them and the people around them. Uh, some of these people might have wanted to leave, but in general, most probably did not. It's terrible when anyone loses work, and uh, I feel for them. Each and every one counts. I'm going to take a ballpark number, and I'm not going to make light of everything, but everyone counts, and this probably is not the exact amount, but every time they let, let's say, the ballpark of 20 people go, I think there have been in general one, two, or three people in there that I'm interested in and snatch up. So, I mean, there are definitely several names on this list that Tony Khan's already got his eyes on and he's waiting for the non-compete to end. And um, I wouldn't be surprised that the day that that non-compete's over, we see them debuting at AEW. I mean, if I'm Tony Khan, I'm looking at Keith Lee, um, Karrion Cross, Scarlet Bordeaux. I mean, it's a package. Since, since obviously Vince McMahon couldn't give us the thing that everybody wanted, they have to come in as a package deal. Um... Ember Moon, those, I mean, those are immediately names that I'm looking at. Hell, maybe even Grand Metal League. We saw we saw Kalisto or Samurai Del Sol yeah. uh, just make an appearance in AEW. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit. Where AEW's all about the flippy-dippy-doo-dah guys, I wouldn't be surprised to see Grand Metal League uh, show off out there. I think so. Um, I, think, I think if you're AEW, you want... I think the two names you want top of your list is Mia Yim. And you want Keith Lee. Because that will strengthen your wrestling product. Um, especially your women's. You get Ember mm-hmm. Moon and, and Mia Yim. That strengthens up your women's uh, product even more than what it is now. Yeah. And then now you now you start getting competitive. Now we can start, okay, it's getting competitive. And then you, now you're going to have more competitors. Especially now with the second uh, belt coming out. It's just be more competitive. I've you just got to be careful when, like, picking up all these new talent. I don't want them picking up too much talent and not knowing what to do with it. Because you kind of, you got to have something to do. So when you pick up all this talent, it falls but into... Here's, but here's the thing about AEW does that WWE doesn't do. All their talent is shown on TV. It's just that you don't watch the YouTube shows. True, yeah. They're all on the talent. They're all being shown. Their matches are there. And in every single, in every single um, Wednesday... And Friday, they're showing the records and matches of the dark matches, yeah, the dark. and they're showing you. There's proof that they're wrestling. WWE, we don't know who the fuck's wrestling. Nobody's wrestling, unless it's the house show. I guarantee you, half of them is not fucking wrestling. They, 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 I think WWE just really needs to drop one of the W's from their name because it. I get they're an entertainment brand, it's sports entertainment, whatever, but... It's exclusively entertainment. Yeah, no, they, they, there's not a whole lot of wrestling going on there. It's world entertainment. Uh, I got. I was trying to show you, uh, send a meme to you guys yesterday about uh, Roman Reigns and CM Punk. And they had uh, CM Punk's uh, world champion reign for 434 days with 141 defenses. With Roman Reigns, 429 days... And 16 defenses. Which I thought was... <laughs> well... Makes me feel like... Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that is hilarious. Ha-ha. But then you talk about your boy, Brock Lesnar. 
And how many times did we actually see him defend the belt? But we knew he was part time. Roman Reigns. Well, no, we get it. We get it. We get there's it. Part time, and there's someone that's there every fucking Friday night, but not wrestling. But I did. I did that. like that little jab that he threw out at Raw, though, because like when he took that week off and he wasn't on SmackDown, and then he came back, and he's like, "What? The, what the shit happened while I was gone?" He's like, "It's already been a proven fact. When I'm not here, this show sucks as bad as Raw." Like, the fact that he got that dig at Raw, I, I will say, I did kind of pop for that. Get away with saying that too. Yeah, that's the truth. I, like I always say, and I say about this, Vince put too much fucking, um, he put too much faith in fucking Hulk Hogan back in the 80s, yeah. and it bit him in his fucking ass, and what we're seeing with Roman Reigns, not just now, but since this whole force push, the force push before all everything, I think, yeah, we'll get bit in the fucking ass again. I'm fine with... Look, I'm liking Roman Reigns right now more than ever because he's actually got a good gimmick. But the thing, though, is is they're saving him being champion. Number one, he wants they want to break Brock Lesnar's record. Okay, fine, whatever, man. We all knew that was going to happen when they put the belt on him. But they were really saving him for The Rock at WrestleMania. Problem is, that's not going to happen. As much as they want it to happen, it's not going to happen. I just don't see that happening. It could be a tag team match, maybe. But one-on-one, it's not going to happen. But even then, like... You, you, you bitch about how, you know, they're in the business of creating stars and it feels like they're not creating any new superstars. Well, it's also hard to do that when you see the same fucking people in the main event picture all the time. All the time. If I see Randy Orton compete in one more match for a heavyweight title, I will flip my fucking shit. Randy Orton has never been... And I like Randy Orton, do not get me wrong. But Randy Orton's been wrestling for what? It feels like 20 years now? Almost 20 years? Uh, yeah, he debuted in 2002. So next year, I'll make 20 years. Yeah. You know, like, give other people an opportunity to fucking shine. And that's their problem. Like, I'm and, saying- you, and, and that's the thing. You can't build credible superstars if you don't give them that opportunity. It's fucking sink or swim. And when you give them, put the strap on them, give them a fair shot. Don't just like give them like a one month and be like, oh, I don't feel like it's working. Let them have it. You're the creative. You need to have a storyline, you know, weeks, months on end. What are you going to do with this guy once he's there? I feel they don't do that. They just kind of give him the belt and they're like, yeah, we'll kind of see what happens after that. I mean, they, yeah, well, you know, I remember what the day and age of like WrestleMania 4 to 5, they had a year long story that they were looking to tell that, you know, Randy Savage is going to win the belt at WrestleMania 4. Yeah. Midway through, he's going to partner up with Hogan. They're going to form a team. Give it another few months. Randy's going to get pissed at Hogan. They're going to turn. And then we go to WrestleMania five, and the Mega Powers but see, will explode. See, now with TV deals, you got to <laughs> show the guy superstars every week, which takes the more and luster away. Like, if you see a guy every week wrestle, it's not like, okay, I've seen him. All right, I'm done with seeing him. I don't want to see him anymore. I'm sick, I'm sick of seeing a lot of the characters I've been seeing for the past decade wrestle because it's like, okay, we see him week to week. Show me something new. But that's but again, and that's that's the beautiful thing with AEW too. I don't need to see the stars every single week. I'm okay with seeing them every other week. Thank you. That's what you've got to come up with convincing storylines to make me buy into it. You got to make it to where in, in AEW. Look, I'm, I'm not just trying to blow all sunshine and rainbows up AEW's ass, but at the same time, AEW does a great job of making just about every single segment on a two-hour dynamite matter even if it's a backstage segment it's not a throwaway it's there for a reason 
And I feel like a lot, even a lot of the WWE backstage segments, it's just like, oh, we got to put something on TV. Just, hey, you go out there, play around on a scooter and look stupid. Okay, yeah, there we go. That's that's content covered. Uh, uh, not just saying that, man. The one thing that really pisses me off more than anything is I am fucking tired of seeing wrestlers talk shows or just in the ring with a microphone with just like spewing lines they were given not knowing, trying to memorize their lines, it comes across as bad acting. Like when I saw Baron Corbin with that other dude the other day on SmackDown, just sitting in the ring, just kind of like dilly dallying. I'm like, lost. I'm counting the minutes, and I'm like, you could be giving talent, you or could be giving talents. time to other talent to actually do something. This is fucking stupid. You're wasting my time. If you're gonna waste my time, try to make it entertaining. This is just bu- bullshit garbage on a two-hour show. That really upset me. And look, man, I was dealing. I like I like Corbin when he was poor. Now that you made them all, you know, it's happy. Like, yeah, happy Corbin. It's uh, a stupid game. I, I still haven't bought into it. Yeah, I, I, I prefer down on his luck, Corbin. And, and but, I would have, I would have rather a babyface push for him. You know, like dude, he's so pathetic. Try, yeah. He's so pathetic. We got to cheer for him, and then, nah. But uh, I know it's five hundred three for for Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that so special? Because they know that there's no way in fucking hell he's gonna catch up, Bruno. Oh, God, no. They'll never... Dear Lord, please, no. Do not let Roman Reigns hold the belt for seven years. You, nobody's breaking that belt. Nobody's breaking that title because you're just not going to do that anymore. It's a different day and It's age. way different... Yeah, different time. Yeah. I know, but they keep, they keep pushing... Oh, they beat the record. Make the, beat the record. Fuck the record. Nobody's the breaking... Um, it's not the fucking record. Fuck Bruno's the record. The title doesn't mean shit. Doesn't happen. And, and Bruno did it when there's only one fucking title, too, by the way. But yeah, that, that's not happening. Um, but yeah, we're rambling. Not rambling, just venting. I feel Both, like yeah. this is a therapy <laughs> yeah. session right now. But kids, this is going to be a perfect lead into our main topic of the podcast this week, which is the year that was, 2001. And uh, the, 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 the subjects of this uh, topic are going to be ECW and WCW. This is going to be, I think, a fairly short episode because one promotion only lasted a few weeks into 2001 and the other only lasted a few months into the year. So, yeah. No, I was going to say... Well, but, we're going to tie in how I feel what I was talking about with WWE. Not even that time, but like how WWE, what they're doing now, what we're going to talk about in the next segment, you're going to, going to kind of start seeing you know, some similarities that's not really good. WWE ain't going anywhere, but they're going to lose some fans and ratings if they keep doing what they're doing. They already are. So, yeah, uh, with that said, we will cut to break, and when we come back, we'll dive into the topic. 2001, the year that was for ECW and WCW. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And welcome back, everybody. We are going to discuss the year that was 2001 for the companies of ECW and WCW. This is going to be a... It's going to be sad, man, because you had the death of two beloved wrestling companies that are always going to be remembered for just... You know, the 90s, kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, I mean, you know, you, you had one company in um, WCW that maybe reinvented, uh, you know, how heels can be popular and get over. You had another in ECW that revolutionized hardcore wrestling. and um, Their fan base was the most, like, beloved fan base that loved their promotion more than, like, any other fan base. The most passionate, for exactly. sure. Exactly, 100%. You know, if, you want to, if you want to look at how fan is, is the short term for fanatic, yeah. if there's anything that ECW fans were, it was fanatical. Oh, 100%. Um, I mean... Deranged. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. too. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, I was going to say let's flip a coin and see which one goes first, but really ECW only lasted about three weeks into the year. so 13 days. We can uh, we can go ahead and start there. Um, so where did it really all go wrong for ECW? Um, August of 1999, ECW began to broadcast nationally on TNN uh, for what was initially a three-year contract. Uh, despite no advertising and a low budget, ECW quickly became TNN's highest-rated show. Uh, ECW and TNN was then uh, unceremoniously canceled in October of 2000, uh, with the final episode airing on October 6th of that year in favor of WWF's Raw moving over to the network. Paul Heyman stated he believed that the inability to land another national television deal was the cause of ECW's demise. Uh, ECW, uh, ECW struggled for months after the cancellation, trying to secure a new national TV deal, and many believe the influence of WWE and Vince McMahon on networks prevented them from landing a new deal. Hell yeah, you did. <laughs> on December 30th of 2000, ECW Hardcore TV aired for the last time, and Guilty as Charged in 2001 was the last pay-per-view that aired on um, January 7th, 2001. Yeah. To touch on your point, that's exactly what I was going to say. Paul Heyman had his grievances. They really didn't see eye to eye from the get-go. Because apparently on their debut show, they were promoting new content. They kind of just re-air packages of like great matches, which kind of pissed off TNN. And then Paul Heyman had his grievances because TNN, you're your number one show on TNN, but yet you're promoting like Roller Jam and all this other stuff. And you're giving them very little love from like your number one rated show on the network. Uh, Paul Heyman had his very, you know, if you watch the... The Life and Death of ECW DVD. They had a big famous promo of Paul Heyman saying, like, take us off the air. You know, doing the whole thing to TNN. And then he had so much beef with TNN. He, uh, Cyrus the Virus, a.k.a. Don Callis nowadays, was from the network. So that was a way of putting on on-air talent who was... as a way of, like, shitting on the network on TV on your own show on their network, which was kind of funny. You could air your on-air grievances by putting Don Callis' character out there. I'm sure that didn't go over very well. I don't think it really did, yeah. <laughs> but to your point, um, I mean, ECW had so much going wrong with it, the final stages, but really what undercut them was, yeah, not having syndication, not being on television. I'm sorry. If you, if nobody knows what you're doing, like, where are we going to find you, man? If nobody can see your product, you don't know what's really going on with your champions or anything like that, but why the am I going to pay a ticket to Before go to they had show? their final pay-per-view, they've been off television for over three months. I mean, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, September 2000... Raw, which was always on USA, randomly signs a deal with TNN, which is like, all right, well, we got WWE, so, you know. Oh, wow. I wonder why that happened. Maybe because of the success of ECW. Uh-oh, ECW got a network deal. Uh-oh, they're the number one uh, TV show on their network. Uh-oh, is this going to be another Monday Night War that we have to deal with now? Uh-oh. Wow, why would WWE leave USA? USA is the reason why WWE is what it is. Did they pursue TNN? Just to undercut ECW so they can take out one competition? I believe so. It's hard to argue against that. I mean, there really was no need for WWE to go to TNN. No. And I think the excuse that Vince gave was like, oh, well, TNN is the new hip you know, station. They went from being the Nashville. They went from being the Nashville network to TNN, and then eventually to Spike, Spike TV, TV, which, you know, was, which yeah. is television for men. For men. You know, yeah. whatever. Like, um, let's go ahead and actually look at this uh, well, last pay per view card. Before we go on, there's there's two networks, and for <coughs> that, that that is iconically for made the brand. 
WWF and USA Network, right? Mm-hmm. You think of WWF, USA Network. You think of UFC, what pops in your head? Well, you think Spike TV initially, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a kind of, those are the ones that built those that those organizations what they are today. Those are iconic things. Why would you just up and leave and then just in a couple of years later go back to USA? Yeah. Just saying. No, it's pretty I mean, shady. It's a pretty good pretty theory, shady. yeah. Just saying. Well, let's go ahead and look at this last... And why, why would USA not pick up pick up ECW? There you got it. They have a, a gap in programming. Oh, that's right. USA is NBC. And the head of NBC and Vince McMahon are buddy, but just say, just say. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was go gonna on. say, can I, can I go over? It? Okay, <laughs> no, thank no, you. No, just, no. just make it chew. Oh, Ramsey got a good point though. I was about to say, I'm missing the note. People love ECW. Now. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so, ECW Guilty as Charged 2001 took place on January 7th at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York, New York. City so nice they named it twice. Uh, going over the car, we open with Cyrus and Jerry Lynn going over Christian York and Joey Matthews in a match that lasted 2 minutes and 41 seconds, which was rated a dud by the Wrestling Observer. Uh, Amish Roadkill and Danny Doring defeated Easy Money and Julio De Niro in a 10-minute match for the ECW Tag Titles. So that match got a star and a half, uh, star and a quarter. Uh, Nova went over Chris Hamrick in a one and a half star match. Tommy Dreamer defeated C.W. Anderson by submission in an I Quit match in a 14-minute affair that went got three and a quarter stars. Mikey Whipwreck and Toshinori Tajiri defeated Kid Cash and Super Crazy and Little Guido and Tony Mamaluke in a three-way dance tag that got three stars. Simon Diamond and Swinger wrestled to a draw against Balls Mahoney and Chili Willie. The Sandman defeated Just Incredible and Steve Carino in a three-way tables, ladders, chairs, and, ch- and canes match for the ECW world title that got a quarter or three quarters of a star which was then followed up by Rhino defeating Sandman in a one-minute match that was rated a dud. And then the last match of the night saw Rob Van Dam go over Jerry Lynn in a 19-minute affair that got three and a quarter stars. So, gentlemen, that's your last I, ECW now, I do want to touch right on this. Like, uh, Pauly Dangerous was nowhere to be found, so they had the former sign guy, Dudley. Was that His on-screen character was Lou E. Dangerously, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> Because Pauly was nowhere to be found because he knew what was going on. He just like he owed so much money to the wrestlers. And the fact that these guys who were owed so much money still wrestle those shows shows you how much love and adoration they had for the ECW brand, the fan base. You know, they knew that it was they were on like it was finally coming to an end. They kind of wanted to be there for that. I don't think they knew that this was the end, but they kind of knew something was going on. Well, it was one of those things that right after that pay-per-view, um, they still had the Living Dangerously pay-per-view, which was, was scheduled still to air on March, March 11th. It, yeah. Um, but because of the financial trouble they were in, they, they canceled in, it in February. In February, yeah, I was going to say Now, that. but before they had that cancellation, um, ECW would go on to have two house shows, um, both in Missouri, um, both in, well, one in Poplar no. Bluff and one in Pine Bluff. Um, no, I think that one's Pine Bluff, Arkansas was the fine one. That's the one I had. 
No, Pine, no, Pine, Pine Bluff, Bluff, Missouri. Missouri, okay. So mm-hmm. It just blew my mind. It just, it's just weird that like the last two house shows of ECW happened in Missouri. You had the pay-per-view a few days before that in New mm-hmm. York, and then ECW dies in Missouri of all places. It's just interesting. So um, they had a show on January 12th in Poplarville, or Poplar Bluff, excuse me. And then the last ECW show, or house show, um, G- January 13th, 2001, Pine Bluff, Missouri. Uh, that was a great night. You had Nova going over uh, Tom Marquez, Christian York and Joey Matthews going over Easy Money and Julio De Niro, uh, Super Crazy going over Tajiri, Danny Doring and Tommy Dreamer defeating Little Guido and Tony Mamaluke, uh, Jack Victory going over C.W. Anderson, Michael Shane defeating Oz, The Prodigy defeating Nova, Rhino as champion defeating Spike Dudley. Uh, just incredible going over Sandman, and then the sad ba- uh, Sandman going over just incredible. So it's weird back to back matches there, uh, hardcore style match uh, with Sandman and just incredible, and that that's your uh, that's your last ECW Something. card. Thirteen hundred fans in attendance for that one. That's not bad for an ECW crowd, man. But I'll tell you what, like we kind of was looking at this, and I was like, man, what's funny was like that final show. So it's so bad, it's, ter- it's so terrible to watch on the network because like ECW never used licensed music, so like they have to like repackage like everything. So even though you know Robin Van comes out to like uh, Pantera, or, like Walk, it, they don't play that obviously, which sucks. Kind of takes away the momentum. Um, but like for instance, uh, when you talk about how much money was ECW was hemorrhaging or how much money they owed, like there was a wrestler, Steve Carino, who at the very final uh, he was. Him and Justin Credible joined a new faction called the New Impact Players because it was before it was Justin Credible and Lance Arm or Lance Storm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So the very next day, Steve Carino leaves because he's not getting paid. So he's like, "Why mm-hmm. am I going to be here?" And apparently, he signed a deal with WCW at the time. And I'll go on that once you get onto that because he never, yeah, he never got seen, and he never was seen with WWE. I think he became an agent down the road, but it was just kind of sad. Um, yeah, man, apparently ECW was $9 million in unpaid bills, including salaries, TV deals, merchandise. Uh, they said close to $7 million because On Demand owed them some money, but they weren't going to pay because they knew the company was going to go out of business. What I what I think is hilarious, just like listen to this, the company was listed as having assets totaling $1,385,000. Uh, included in that number was $860,000 in accounts receivable owed to the company by pay-per-view in-demand network. Yeah. Um, Acclaim Video Games, uh, an original San Francisco toy t- company action figures. So, like, that $860,000 basically, like, pay-per-view, action figures, video games. Uh, the balance of the assets were the videotape library, which was $500,000, a 1998 Ford truck valued at $19,500 and the remaining inventory of merchandise, $4. Jeez. So, I mean, they they literally had a fire sale of all the merchandise and basically what was left at the end of it all was $4 worth of merchandise. Um, liabilities, just under $9 million. And then just... What the talent was owed. This is what caught my eye when we were like doing the prep for the show. I yeah, same here, hilarious. man. I mean, this is twenty years from now, and I didn't even know this. I learned so this you had like Rob Van Dam, who was owed one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Tommy Dreamer owed a hundred thousand dollars. Joey Styles fifty thousand four hundred eighty dollars. Rhino fifty thousand. Shane Douglas forty eight thousand. Uh, Sabu two dollars. Sabu was owed two dollars. 
They couldn't fucking gather up eight quarters to pay Sabu. That is just fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, it's crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, according to the bankruptcy filings, ECW owed, you know, uh, yeah, they, they owed the wrestlers a lot of money, man. Uh, I think 500000 maybe half a million to uh, talent. And then on top of that, they also owed another, you know, uh, almost six hundred thousand dollars to WWE from a loan that they borrowed back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So apparently, Paulie didn't tell the, the wrestlers about the the bankruptcy because he didn't want them having I think the checks rescinded or something like that because they they weren't made aware. Now that wasn't the case for a lot of the guys. I don't know how many of them got paid or who didn't. A lot of them didn't. Let's be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, but what's kind of funny was like once WWE purchased, you know, well it's officially. ECW closed their doors for good on April 4, 2001, and what was funny about that was the week before, Paulie was on WWE Raw as a commentator taking over for Jerry Lawler, who just left. Uh-huh. So, pretty much once a lot of the wrestlers saw Paulie on WWE TV, they, they like, it's, it's dead. It's dead. Like, if, if it wasn't dead before, it's definitely dead now. Um... Yeah, here it is. Paul Lee stayed quiet about the bankruptcy because he, he wanted to make sure that some of his guys got paid and that their checks weren't recalled by creditors after that 90-day period. So, I don't know what WB... Do you have the number? What WB may purchase them? I said I couldn't find that mm-hmm. either, yeah. But it's just funny that, you know, before they officially close for good, Paul Lee shows up on WB television. And the wrestlers are like, what's he doing on WB Network? Oh, shit. Yeah, out of a job now. Damn. But it's just... It's just such a sad thing, man. What could have been, you know, how passionate the fan base was, and it just didn't didn't take on. Mm-mm. So then we transition over to WCW, and we have a whole different set of problems. And you know, there, there's you can list off multiple reasons why WCW failed. Um, start with the fact that they slowly slid into a period of extravagant overspending. Oh, yeah, right there. Guaranteed money, man. That's You want to talk about the real reason? Right there, in my opinion. Um, you no. Know, no. Extravagant spending. They're signing, like, Bret Hart got, like, multi-million dollar deal, and they didn't do anything with him once he got made, called to the main roster. Think about what Hogan, Nash, Hall, what they were making. It was insane what those guys were making uh chris jericho talked about how he asked for a hundred thousand dollars they're like oh we'll give you 176 it's like shit i should ask for more they <laughs> just gave him like these guys crazy money what these guys were making i mean you could also see uh creative decline with the product oh and the reason God. why that happened and who let it happen that, that's another matter of debate right there um one possible reason was the overuse of celebrities you have guys like dennis rodman and jay leto that are wrestling main event pay-per-view matches um not featuring some of your younger talent yeah um you know the their credibility being badly damaged by embarrassing product uh, product placement um one example that immediately comes to mind is uh rick steiner trading barbs with chucky the doll um on a monitor that, yeah. and the crowd in-house booing the hell out of the segment. I mean, just um, you know, they're doing this in hopes of generating interest for uh, the film Bride of Truckee. I mean, granted, this is in 1998, but I mean, you know, WCW would go on to fold a few years later. You start seeing the decline with stupid shit like this. Um, stale, pointless, and at times self-serving storylines concocted by inexperienced bookers. I mean, dude, Kevin Nash, you know entertaining as hell to, to listen to tell stories about the boys 
He could be entertaining on the stick at times, too. Uh, but when it came to being the head booker, whew, man, uh, we got the finger poke of doom to show for it. Uh, oh, exactly, man. That was the thing about the guaranteed contracts. What was the incentive for the wrestlers to tear down the house when they already knew what they were going to make and it was guaranteed? And that's why I hated watching main events for WCW. Even way back when, when Hogan, when, when they first started, you kind of saw that. Uh, the only reason I stayed tuned for Nitro or WCW was really the cruiserweights and the, the mid-card guys. They put on hella matches. I mean, well, what's crazy is we talk about you know WCW holding down a lot of the younger talent, or at least like the ones that were in power holding down the younger talent. I mean, it, it, it's nuts that you know many talents that WCW signed were signed just to keep them off of WWF TV. True. You know, I mean, at one point, WCW held over 260 individual performers under guaranteed contracts. So they're making money regardless of if they're actually working or not. A lot of times, they were getting paid just to stay home. You're basically working with a blank checkbook. Like, that's why Vince McMahon was always going to beat you, because it's his money. You're not using your money. You're using Ted Turner's money. And you just don't... There's no ramifications for that. I mean... Well, there were... Soon, but yeah. Or you have instances like uh, January of '99, where you know the finger poke of doom. Like mm-hmm. you sold out that arena with the intentions of there being a rematch between Kevin Nash and Goldberg. Like that was what got people to buy tickets for that event. Forty thousand people in attendance, millions more watching at home. And then what happens the night of Nitro? We don't get the match. Because we do some bullshit smaz angle of Goldberg being involved in a sexual harassment yeah, deal. Elizabeth, yeah, 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 with Miss Elizabeth. And then we, again, we get Hogan and, and Nash in the main event and the finger poke of doom. And it's like, ha, ha, ha. People were livid. People oh. were pissed. You know, you have situations like that. And you also have the incident where, you know, Mick Foley won the heavyweight title on Raw in yeah. a taped segment. And you got WCW shitting all over it when people were like, wait, McFoley's winning the belt? Oh, shit. Let me, you know, change over and watch that. So, I mean, just a ton of ill-advised either bait and switches or talking down the, the, the opposing product when fans were heavily invested in that. Like, they, they definitely didn't do themselves any favor with that. I mean, they didn't promote from within. There were so many things that killed WCW in the final days. I mean, if you look at, you know, I... Barely watched in 2000. I mean, there wasn't much going on with the company. They eventually, like when Vince Russo came aboard, it was just hokiness and just swerve this, swerve that. The one thing I will give him was that he did try to promote younger talent. Yeah. But it just didn't really take because his ideas and... Because he didn't have a filter. Yeah, it just they just sucked. They were terrible. Well, I mean, but even before that, and going back to them just, like, throwing money out at whoever, I mean, they paid Warrior a shit ton of money, and they only got, I believe, like, barely two months out of him. And even, like, one of the one of the segments that they, uh, they can, or one of the props that they constructed for a segment with Warrior, freaking trap door in the, uh, in the ring, Friggin' uh, David Boy, Boy Smith, Smith ended, ended up... His, pretty much ended his career. Yeah, ended his career because he landed back badly on that. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, there was that. You had the younger talent getting disenfranchised. I mean, you had... At one point, like, this is a stupid, crazy thing about it. You had Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Billy Kidman, Chavo Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn, Raven, Rey Mysterio, Booker T on the roster. And yet, it wasn't until maybe... Um, 
mid to late 2000 to right at the very end of WCW 2001 that Booker T actually started really getting a significant push as a single star. It was, a lot of those guys ended up defecting to WWF before WCW folded. Um, yeah, we spent a ton of money on Kiss and promoting the band. I, when you were talking about celebrity endorsements, that's the number one I think of is like promoting Kiss, doing some stupid smas deal with them, where like they have to have a wrestler, the Demon, the Kiss Demon, and he has to main event a pay per view, which he fucking did, by the way. Uh, who who signed that on? And then you had Hogan with his uh, creative control. You know, so when you, you know, that's why he butted heads with Vince Russo or whatever, because you try to do this idea and it's like, huh, that doesn't work for me, brother. You know, and then all the wrestlers are going to be disenfranchised because if they get made more money than the other guys are going to buy, by whatever's in their claws, they make more money. Like, so Nash and Hall were always going to make the most because it was in their contract. Maybe aside from Hogan, because he was Hogan, but. Here's a, I mean, here's another interesting point that doesn't really get brought up, but it definitely feel like it should be addressed. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so Nitro, they would always try to get, like, the biggest possible arenas. Like, I mean, they would go for the Superdome, which you could see the shit ton of people. Oh, that's a great point. And they wouldn't really, I mean, they would only see, like, no. maybe 30,000. 30, no, not even that. Um, yeah, you, they, you do, like, the Georgia Dome. You do all these big venues for Nitro. But then when you look at the pay-per-views, especially, like, big pay-per-views, they would always pick the smallest arenas possible to host the pay-per-views. It is so weird. Like, um, you you had a much-awaited um, main event in 1995, Great American Bash and Savage and Flair uh, going at it for the title. Um, they scheduled that pay-per-view at the Hera Arena in Dayton, Ohio, which had a capacity of 6,000 seats. Um, you had a match between Sting and the Giant for the WCW Heavyweight Championship at the 96 Slamboree. That took place at the Riverside Centroplex, uh, which is now the Raising Cane Center, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, that capacity there, 8,000 seats. So, I mean, you would do these, like, 30, 40, 50,000 seat arenas for Nitro, but then for, like, your big marquee pay-per-views, well, you would do the smaller venues. Well, you kind of, yeah, your point there is, I get what you're saying, but those are great examples, because, like, WCW 95-96, this is before the NWO took over and they became the big hit where they could sell those out. But to your point, though, when I did go to a WCW Nitro, uh, in December of 1997, it was at the Superdome. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Unless you're WrestleMania or maybe Starcade, you ain't selling that shit out. There was at most 10,000 fans in an arena that could seat 70,000 people. So I just remember being in there, seeing the vast emptiness of the Superdome. I'm like, how much money is this cost? Even back then, when I was like, you know, a teenager, I'm like, dude, this is just crazy. You could have well, had this at the Unilever Front Arena or well, yeah, but but at the same point, the Smoothie King Center. Front Arena. I'm sorry, I was. Small. You didn't have Smoothie King Center. I don't think you didn't have the Smoothie King Center at the point. That's what I'm getting at, yeah. Before Smoothie King Center. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, I guess your only choices at that point were. Maybe it was. First thing, first thing. Why would you do. Okay. So, why would you have it in New Orleans? Why would you have the Superdome over the Lakefront Arena? With some of the reasons. One, Lakefront Arena does not have. Didn't have uh, uh, replay boards. Okay. So, they didn't have no, no video boards to show. Anything that's going on backstage. So, if you have it at Lakefront Arena, you can't show the crowd what's fucking happening on the backstage. You have to import video video boards. So, if you have the Superdome that has video boards, you don't have to worry about that. So, that's one cost that you're saving on. But second thing, from, from notice, from personal knowledge, to rent the Superdome, 
you don't you rent Superdome it's not that expensive and all you're trying to bank on is just your bottom level your bottom level you're not worried about the 200 300 level you just worry about the 100 bowl level and if you get some of the 200 bowl levels then it's a it's a plus you only need to sell out half of the half the 100 level to make a profit even then though i know at least just from memory WCW would usually have Nitro at the Superdome to coincide with like a lot of the or one of the big uh, TV uh, conventions that would take place in New Orleans. And again, when you consider the dome and its proximity to downtown or just its proximity to the quarter, its proximity to the convention center where the, the television conference would be going on, it's all pretty centrally located right there. So, I mean, it made sense from that standpoint. But to your point, though, I will agree with you. Like, a lot of the big pay-per-views they did have at smaller arenas, which they did, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was going to say, do we want to go ahead and talk about the Russo era? Yeah, Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, you want to get on to 2001, the first one? I'm sorry. Well, no, I was going to say, you want to talk about the Russo era, uh, and then we'll... We can briefly touch on it, because, like, to me, this is what really kind of started... I mean, the Finger Poker Doom started... The death of WCW. Um, and then you have Vince Russo's era, just the hokiness of it, the sw- constant swerves, the the characters that like nobody really gave a shit about, like Jeff Jarrett, like promoting the fuck out of him when nobody gave a shit about him. Uh, I get new talent, I get that. Um, you know, because he was kind of done with all the other guys that we've been seeing to death. And then what, they turned Goldberg heel, and I think he got hurt after that. Uh, you know, you saw DDP, you saw, you saw big names, but, you know, you want to get into some of the factions that he had with some of the crazy hokey names. Uh, Team Canada, like, uh, you know, Major Guns, remember that? And the hokey Miss uh, Stacy Keeler. The, well, that was, well, there was MIA Misfits in Action. And this that's is in where, action. That's where Major Guns made her oh, debut. Oh, okay, was yeah. There. Yeah. Um, and then you had uh, Booker T as GI Bro. They had, uh, what was it, um, No Limit. The oh, the soldiers. The, the soldiers with the West Memphis or West Texas uh, rednecks. rednecks, which actually was kind of entertained by that, I'll admit. But yeah, like just stupid stuff like, like we got to make it hip. We got to make it, you know, you had rap versus country in a, you know, they shouldn't have gone that route, but I'm just, you know, you had Vampiro, which I was cool with that. But then you started having like, what was uh, Hugh Morris's like name, a general erection and stuff like that. Just mm-hmm. like the, the and then Buff Bagwell, everything on a pole match. Oh, my God, everything on a pole match. Viagra on a pole match. Uh, you know, like, one of, the, one of the things, like, actually reading this, you know, eventually before Time Warner uh, acquired, uh, or AOL acquired Time Warner, they had the merger. Um, you look at, like, they, they had this impressive roster of talent. It, it, it is kind of crazy to think that rarely did we see a lot of face-versus-face matches. Um, rarely did we see a lot, like, we saw a lot of rematches from the WWF, like your Hogan, your, your Hogan Savage, your Hogan Warrior, your, um, Bret Hart, um, well, I mean, like, there were matches that you didn't get to see in WWF that you could have seen in WCW, but you never really got to see it. I mean, you didn't get to see, like, Hogan Bret or Warrior Bret. Or Flair Warrior, or Luger Savage, you know, like just 
a lot of those different things, we didn't really get to see a whole lot of that. And I think that is definitely a missed opportunity. Um, you know, to think like, yeah, we're bringing these talent that you remember from the WWF, but you never seen them in situations like this before. Never really capitalized on it. They were always trying to go for what had worked prior. And a lot of times, like in the case of Hogan Savage, it, you couldn't rekindle that magic of WrestleMania six at all. It, it it blew up in their face, much like that uh, smoke also, bomb blew up in. But you saw Hogan's it so face. many times, yeah. And you just got tired of seeing it. I'm sorry. Um, you know, also like putting the belt. The Vince was to put the belt on himself, but he also put it on David Arquette, which like made that really to me was another like final another nail in the coffin of WCW. Look, I love David Arquette. I think he's a great dude, but. You didn't need putting the world title, the established WCW World Big Gold Belt on an actor. I'm sorry, you don't do that. That, mm-hmm. that rubbed me the wrong way from the get go. And then uh, Vince Russo put the belt on himself. Uh, another thing you don't do. It's just the hokiness and the craziness of it. And yeah, man, why didn't we get to see some of those dream matches and things of that nature as well? Yeah, it, it could have happened. We did. I mean, the one like the one significant face versus face match that I could think of was DDP and Goldberg, and like the if only you one. if you actually got to watch it, it was a hell of a match. But a majority of people didn't get to watch it because Halloween Havoc went over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it got cut right before the match began, like from the pay per view feed. So yeah, that, that's yet another reason why you can sit there and say WCW's days were numbered. They can't even count out the damn pay per view in a proper time frame. Exactly. Um. So I was gonna say you want to go ahead and touch on the uh, Time Warner. Uh, yeah, because this is gonna be AOL the, really the final segment. Uh, January 11, thousand one, AOL Time Warner purchased Time Warner Company, or maybe they merged and it became AOL Time Warner Company. That's what I should have said. Yeah, they merged. Um. And pretty much from there, you know, because Ted Turner loved wrestling, and he was your backbone. He could speak out for you because he owned the company. But now with AOL uh, merging with Time Warner, you have a new television producer. You had a guy named Jamie Kellner, who was your TBS, chair- TBS chairman, and he was in charge of TV production. They weren- AOL did not like wrestling. I'm sorry. And they had finally had the final say. Um, so this kind of was slowly but surely the final straw of like WCW rolling to it. And we can touch on the final events because they did have three pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. If you want to get into that. Yeah, no, I mean, so uh, the first pay-per-view was um, in January, uh, January 14th at Baker's Life Fieldhouse, or a.k.a. the Canseco Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana, and that would be Sin. Um, I'm not going to necessarily go over the whole card, but I mean, one of the big standout moments was the main event, the Four Corners match which saw Scott Steiner, Jeff Jarrett, Sid Vicious, and a mystery fourth opponent, which was a hooded figure that turned out to be Road Warrior Animal, of all people. Which, like, again, of all people that could have been a mystery fourth person. Don't get me wrong, I love Animal, I love the Road Warriors. I don't see Animal as a main event world heavyweight champion like, contender. draw, like, big surprise. Like, oh, that's your big surprise? Like, Really? Yeah, and the match, even though Scott Steiner would end up uh, going over and retaining his belt, uh, the match is more infamously known for Sid Vicious just like break. gruesomely breaking. Oh his god, it's gruesome. Yeah, don't don't look it up. I'm sure you've seen it. And I'm sure everybody's seen it. Numerous you got times. you got a, the big fellow like that. What the hell is he doing going off? And I know it was only the second rope, but why the hell is he going doing a guy that top, size, like, top yeah. rope, high flying shit? Like, oh god, no. that was just. 
tough to watch. But yeah, that's what that pay per view is always going to be remembered for. You know, um, then we had in February, on February 18th, at the Nashville Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee, Super Brawl Revenge. We basically took two pay per views and merged them into one and yeah. came up with Super Brawl Revenge. Um, one of the bigger things, I guess, from this, Canyon going over DDP, and then in the subsequent match, DDP going over Jeff Jarrett. Okay. <laughs> uh, made event, Scott Steiner is champion, going over Kevin Nash in a Falls Count Anywhere retirement singles two out of three falls match oh, God, for the like WCW right World there, Heavyweight title. Yeah, like, whew, that's a mouthful. Um, last pay-per-view for WCW would take place was, on yeah, Mar- Sunday, March 18th. March 18, 2001, Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. They had, it was tied for lowest pay-per-view buys since Starcade 2000 with 50,000 pay-per-view buys. Just kind of telling you where WCW was going. They the had time. just over 5,000 in attendance, and that would be WCW Greed was the, uh, the last pay-per-view. And here's the thing. One day... One day before this pay-per-view, it was announced that AWOL Time Warner was no longer going to carry Nitro or Thunder at the end of March of 2001. You announced that the day before the pay-per-view. That, that to me is just insane. So as a wrestling fan, you're like, okay, well, what are you going to do? So I'll actually go over the full card for the very last uh, WCW pay-per-view. We had Jason Jett going over Quee Wee. Oh, fun fact. Jason Jett, uh, only wrestler to wrestle for the final WCW pay-per-view and ECW pay-per-view. Just thought that was a little fun fact right there. Huh. Well, match got three and three-quarter stars. We had uh, Flick, Elix Skipper and Kid Romeo going over Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio. For the Cruiserweight Tag Team titles. which yeah. Four-star match. Yeah. Title change. Uh, we had Sean Stasiak defeating Bam Bam Bigelow by pinfall in five minutes. That got a half a star. Uh, Lance Storm and Mike Awesome defeating Hugh Morris and Conan in an 11-minute match. That got a half a star. Uh, Shane Helms as your cruiserweight champion going over Chavo Guerrero Jr. in a 13-minute 57 affair. That got three stars. Uh, tag team championship match, Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare went over Lex Luger and Marcus Bagwell in a match that got minus a star. Uh, Ernest the Cat Miller going over Canyon in a ten and a half minute affair that got a star in three quarters. Uh, Booker T defeating Rick Steiner for the U, uh, WCW United States title. That match got a quarter star. Uh, Dustin Rhodes and Dusty Rhodes, father-son duo, went over Jeff Jarrett and Ric Flair in a tag match that got two and a quarter stars. And in the main event, Scott Steiner retained his WCW title over Diamond Dallas Page in a match that got three and a half stars. This will then lead us to the uh, the sale of WCW. Yeah. Jump um, on this real quick. March 23rd. No, I'm sorry. March 23rd. Yeah, it was announced that WWE had purchased WCW, which was right before... March 26, 2001, which was the final WCW Monday Nitro in Panama City, Florida. So, if you were an internet fan, uh, really... If you had AOL back then. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I wasn't too, you know, nowhere near what it is now, social media and everything. Just like, all the information at your fingertips. 2001, the internet was still pretty new-ish. I didn't know that. You know, a lot of people did. So, you're already announcing that, so... Well, no, it was in the, I remember it being in the newspapers. I remember it being in the Times-Picayune, um, you know, the story about 
WCW getting bought out by WWF and how, you know, that was a big deal. And then... Well, I mean, we can kind of touch on the fact that, like, the reason why it was purchased... The initial idea was, like, okay, so uh, AOL Time Warner had zero interest in wrestling. Even though it was still your number one rated show on your network, they just thought wrestling was beneath them. It wasn't advertiser-friendly. And also, like I said, there was no crossover from wrestling fans staying tuned to watch the shows on TBS and TNT... And the same thing with the TNT fans who watch those shows and vice versa, watching wrestling. So they just wanted to get rid of wrestling. But apparently, according to Bischoff, take it with a grain of salt, his uh, media company, Fusion Media, were supposedly, with his investors, were going to purchase WCW. They wanted a guaranteed time slot on the network, which I never saw that happening because they didn't want wrestling to begin with. So I called BS on that alone. Uh, so when they announced that they didn't want to do wrestling anymore, uh, go well, they didn't. They didn't want to pay to do wrestling anymore. Okay. And and it was Bischoff and his group was like, okay, well, we'll buy it, and we'll we'll you know finance it. We'll do everything. All we need is a dedicated time slot. And AOL Time Warner was like, no, we're not giving you a time slot. So without without TV, what good is the library? What good is everything else going to do? It's dead in the water. This is a day. This is in a day and age before on demand video streaming and everything else. It's like you got this big video library. Great. What are you going to do with it? Exactly. You can't air. So. And I mean, go figure. Vincent Man purchased it allegedly for four million dollars. Which, if that's the case, you know, there. Oh, it's, uh, I wanted to talk. Bring that up. It's funny to think that WCW sold for less than the contract value of some of their top stars. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. No, um, let's go ahead and talk about the final uh, WCW Nitro, which was billed as Night of Champions. I mean, I'll give WCW credit. They were like, we're going off the air. Fuck it. We'll have... No, let's just talk. I want to talk about that real quick. Like, you're in Panama City, Florida. So, like, you're in spring break. This is what made Nitro kind of fun at times when they would do those special spring break shows back in the day. I loved it, man. They had the college feel, the college students partying and everything. It was pretty awesome, man. I loved seeing that. And to know that it was the, the night of the champions, what, they had like five championships on the line that night? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, you had in the very first match of the night, Booker T defeating Scott Steiner for title the WCW for World Heavyweight title. So now he's a two-time, two-belt, two uh, two-belt holder. Yeah, United States Championship and WCW Champion. Um, then we have Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio Jr. defeating Evan uh, Courageous, Shannon Moore, Kaz Hayashi, and Young Yang in a three-way tag match. Uh, Shane Helms going over Chavo Guerrero Jr. Chuck, Balum- uh, Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare defeating Lance Storm and Mike Awesome to retain their uh, tag titles. Uh, Sean Stasiak defeating Bam Bam Bigelow. Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio Jr. going over Elix Skipper and uh, Kid Romeo for the uh, WCW so Cruiserweight tag titles. They were your titles. final Cruiserweight champions. And what was kind of funny was when they merged, uh, WWE's like, yeah, we got no use for that. So Kidman and Rey Mysterio still have those belts. So mm-hmm. that's good fun. Uh, and then in the main event, and we, we touched on it last week in our Sting episode, I mean, they, they wrestled in the main event Flair of the first. came on with a very passionate promo at the beginning of the show, where that's with Final Nitro. Mm-hmm. So they were like, we're going to do this right, we need to do this the right way, me and Sting tonight. And that was your final WCW match. You know, Sting uh, defeating Ric Flair with the uh, Scorpion Deathlock, and that ends uh, the very last episode of Nitro. Mm-hmm. So... Just looking at who your final WCW champions were at the end of their run. So, um, basically, who walks out with the belts on March 26th is forevermore your WCW champions. 
Uh, Booker T would walk away with both the WCW World Heavyweight Championship and the United States Championship. Um, Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare, your WCW World Tag Team Champions. Shane Helms is your Cruiserweight Champion. Go on to be the Hurricane. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Duggan is your last World Television Champion. Having won it almost a year, or actually over a year prior on uh, the February February sixteenth two thousand edition of Thunder, did he ever really defend that on TV? I wonder. God, it's taking me back. I really, yeah, I can't recall. Uh, Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio are your WCW Cruiserweight Tag Champions, and then Ming retires as the WCW Hardcore Champion, which. What I thought was kind of interesting too, when I was looking at the you know the rosters and stuff, when they had the cruiserweight tag team, AJ Styles wrestled. Uh, he was he did wrestle with like Air was it Paris? They were a tag team wrestling for those uh, WCW cruiserweight titles. So to think that AJ Styles wrestled for WCW in those final months was pretty crazy. You know, think that he's been on that long. It's like wow. Well, he was like, oh, man, I finally made it to a big brand. And then a few months later, up, and they're gone. Yeah, and, and then he goes to TNA, makes a name for himself over there. But TNA wasn't quite the big brand, or it never really got up to that level that WCW was. It, I know, man. That's the thing. Like, now that you bought your purchase, you know, WWE purchased both companies, really, which is insane to think about that you did it right around the same time, essentially, you are now. And there's no competition. You're. You have everything. You have no competition for nearly twenty years. Essentially, yeah. And I mean, slowly but surely, I think AEW will get there. They really are now, but you look at the numbers. You got to do it consistently. Yeah. And, and, you know, say like now they're at a point where they can definitely take you know take it to WWE on the chin. Um, I still think you maybe have about another year or so before you can really say, okay, now they're seriously competing. And WWE uh, keeps we, doing what they're doing, which a lot of these companies, WCW, are doing. Um, not pushing stars, you know, just horrible storyline, like ripping up scripts, just coming up stuff on the fly. You could see viewership going down and people just tuning out. I mean, I know a lot of people that when Daniel Bryan and CM Punk with AEW started watching wrestling again. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious, Ramsey, because you were fairly quiet during uh, most of the WCW talk. Got anything you want to interject in there? I know he's more WCW fan, but no, I grew up. I grew up watching WCW. That's right, yeah. That was the first thing you watch. If you're from New Orleans. First thing you watch is WCW. Uh, look, <clears throat> it, it's James Counter's fault why WCW is no longer WCW. When AOL, Time Warner merged with TNT, with, Tur with Turner, he was in charge of Turner Sports. He was mm -hmm. put on Turner Sports. He's the main reason why there's no WCW is no more. Yeah. Go look at how much they sold for four million. That's a fucking it's a joke. It's a joke. They didn't want it. Exactly. They want it out of it, and they just <coughs> sold it to the low. They just said, "Fuck it, here, take it." We have no use for it. Uh, but I, I believe there's three people three people are the reasons why WCW failed mm -hmm. Jamie uh, Kellner's one when uh, AOL Time Warner uh, uh, merged two 
fucking sign Vince Russo. Because, goddamn, just... You guys mentioned fucking pole matches and all that shit. I was gonna say, I mean, it was it was Jerry Springer. Like, it, every, like everything had a Jerry Springer-esque twist to it. And granted, that was what was hot on TV in the late 90s, very early 2000s. But at the same time, that has a shelf life. That's not sustainable. And then I said in, in a previous episode, and I'll stick to it, March 94, when they signed fucking Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Death nail. As much as you can say that he helped the company get become bigger and better, it's also the reason why the company got worse and worse. I 100% agree with you on that one, man. Well, in a way, like really the way that they were handing out guaranteed contracts and everything. That's really what it was. I mean, it, it, it really was. It really was like inflating a balloon and then... You keep inflating it, you keep inflating it, you keep inflating it. Yes, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But eventually, if you keep inflating it, it's going to pop. And that's basically, in a nutshell, what ended up happening with WCW. They were spending, well, no, but like realistically, they were spending a ton of money. And the thing was, they weren't consistently turning a profit. They were always being the red. And they sit there, and, and again... Ted didn't care because nope. Ted's like, oh man, well no, but it's getting it's getting viewership, it's getting eyes on the network, it's getting it there. Mm-hmm. AOL Time Warner comes in or AOL comes in and they're like, why the hell are we spending all this money on a product and we're not turning a profit? You Makes know, sense, so yeah. like, yeah, no, the bubble popped at that point, and AOL was like, nah, we're not justifying this shit anymore. They're hundred percent right because I always thought you're you're overspending to get this talent. And you're not getting a return on your investment because, like I said, when you're guaranteed that much money, you have no incentive to to be really creative, to be, to, to, be, to really go out and give it your all. You're not going mean, to go she, and give it your all. They never did. Well, I mean, like especially with a lot of those guaranteed contracts that were also for a certain amount of dates a year. And mm-hmm. when they introduced Thunder, a lot of those guaranteed contract guys are like, uh... I don't. I'm not wrestling on that show. I've already. I'm already hitting my dates with Nitro. I'm not doing that. And so, good point. You know, while granted, you could have also used Thunder as a way to build up a lot of that younger talent that maybe wasn't featured on Nitro. WCW mm-hmm. didn't really do that. No. So. Hmm. Anything else we want to add in there? I feel like we've already uh, beaten this horse pretty dead. <laughs> I don't no, think we can I'm beat just, it I'm anymore. I'm just reading dead. how he, Jim Duggan won the fucking title. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very curious. Still mystified, yeah. So, uh, Scott Hall abandoned the title in in uh, November '99 when Hall and Kevin Nash throws the belt into a trash can. And on, God, I just can't believe this is right. April April 10th in 2000, Jim Duggan finds the belt in the trash cans and, dec- and then Bischoff and Vince Russo declared it vacant and awarded it to Duggan. That sounds about WCW. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. So, a year later, Duggan's digging into fucking trash, which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh, fuck. looks, it looks like a bomb. Fucking Vince Russo. Russo for you right oh, there. Wow. Fucking Vince Russo. Ah. Uh. I think on that note, uh, that might be a good way to call it. So, uh, anything else before we go to break? No. All right. With that said, we'll go to our last break. And when we come back, we'll close out the show with our predictions for AEW Full Gear 
I was going to say, we got to go over the tally of the points. We got to make our predictions, and we'll see who comes out on top next week. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And welcome back, guys. We're going to uh, get right into our final main segment of the show. We're going to go over our predictions for AEW Full Gear coming this Saturday, November 13th. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, let's, uh, let's go ahead and uh, start the card. Well, before we do that, last I checked, I don't have the exact point total ahead of me. I know... Kirk's way back in last place. I take you. Ramsey, you got one point over me, so you're sitting in first. I think I'm one point behind you. Yep. And I was going to say, we could I definitely... 29, sw- you got 28, and Kirk got 25. Yeah. So. Oh, I, I thought you were further back, so... All right, well, Kirk, you could maybe but, make, you made maybe move here. But, Randy, you are 14 and 4. Kirk's 13 and 5, and I have the worst record in 12 and 6. Yeah, because you got that bullshit. Yeah, we, we gave you that bullshit thing. But you know what? You called it. You were, you were right. Yeah, lucky the car wasn't finalized. But yeah, either way he called it. Uh, when I said I said, look, dude job wins. You, I said it. And you were like, no, there's no way. All right. It's like, they, they really aren't that stupid. Oh, my God. I was going to say, should we stupid. add? It hasn't been officially announced, but the more than likely they are going to do it. Cody Rhodes and Pac versus... Let, 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 we'll, we'll go we'll ahead and we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll interject this in. If the match doesn't happen, then of course no points are awarded. But if we get Cody Rhodes and Pac against Andrade El Idolo and um, Alistair Black or Malachi Black, Malachi Black, yeah, no, yeah, the same thing. Who do we who do we see going over in that? I'm gonna go. God, now we just put on the spot. I'm gonna go Malachi and uh, and Andrade. I, I'll, I'll just say that's that's yeah. That's. So that's Ramsey's pick, Kurt. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that too because uh, Cody Rhodes just beat Malachi Black not that long ago. So yeah, I'll go with Malachi. All right. So going into the card official, let's open with a fun one: CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. And think about it, all the fanboys that are bitching about the fact that CM Punk isn't in the main event picture, blah, 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 and he's just wrestling a bunch of random people here and there. We're getting CM Punk Let me tell you something, Eddie man. Kingston. Eddie That's going to be a fucking bro, banger. I love that promo Eddie Kingston did, calling CM Punk out, man. I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm invested in it. I would love to see the match, too. I, I mean, come on, man. CM Punk, dude. I don't see him losing anytime soon. And it'll put Eddie Kingston over in a good match. So both guys are winners at the end of the day. But I got Punk. Dude, Punk's going to win. And Punk will earn... But Punk will earn a new respect for Eddie Kingston. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, I was like, Punk wins, but it's going to put Kingston over even more. Exactly. Ramsey? Yeah, Punk. Okay. And then we got... I wish, here's, I wish there was a stipulation on this match. It doesn't, it doesn't need one. It's just going to be a good old-fashioned ball. Yeah, they got a couple of stipulation matches already on this card. Here's a here's an intriguing one, Darby Allen versus MJF. And you got two of your young staples getting ready to fight. You got your your pillars, honestly, your, yeah. your young pillars mm-hmm. as they're officially True. known. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you said that. Um, they're finally having their first match to my recollection on AEW. God, MJF has just been pretty much. I gotta go, MJF. Dude, it, it, this is a real tough one for me because there, there's definitely several different ways that this could play out because both of them are definitely main event 
material mm-hmm. right now, like this moment. You see, like, and, and, and it's hard because Darby lost at the last pay-per-view, but also at the same time, so did MJF. The way I see at least things around the main event card going, um, so we'll, we'll touch on that particularly at the end of the night, but I just feel like with maybe where we're going with the World Heavyweight Belt, I feel like MGF gets the win here because we need to start building up some credible heel contenders for the belt. And to his point, or to MJF's point, he has not been pinned clean in the ring in almost the whole year. I mean, he beat Jericho, quote-unquote, but due to shenanigans, the match was restarted, and then he lost. But yeah, I was going to say, like, again, building on that credibility of building MJ off as, like, the big mega heel, I feel like he's got to win here. Ramsey. Is Sting going to be in, in, on, on, on the ringside? I'm sure he'll probably help Darby Allen, but uh, the, the Pinnacle will have more members. I think the numbers will be in MJF's favor. But, yes, yeah, Sting could... I call Darby Allen for the win with the help of Sting. Okay. MGF does not get pinned cleanly again. See, I feel like, and again, this is me long-term booking here, but I feel like MJF needs to compete for the heavyweight belt, loses that match due to maybe... <laughs> Careful, man. I didn't realize I got you that worked up. Shit. MJF loses um, in, in his match contending for the heavyweight belt because of a disagreement with Wardlow, and then this is what seriously kickstarts that feud of Wardlow and MJF. I think it's still a little too early for that, but... Well, no, but I'm saying we gotta... We, no, I'm not saying in this match. I'm okay. saying this is why MJF wins, because yeah. when we eventually get down the you line will get to when to he that. competes yeah. for the belt, he ends up losing the match due because to... Because of Wardlow somehow screwing him over. Yeah, I gotcha. I agree with that, too. Before I, I want to see MJF and in a world championship scene, I want him on the TNT title scene first. I think he just needs. I think he needs a TNT title first. I don't. I don't see him as a. I don't see him yet in that that area. Too green still, to me. I agree great, great with on you. The mic, great on the mic. I just don't think he. Because you're promoting him as like he's the head of the the stable. You think world title when you're the head of a stable, not like mid card title. True, but I also don't think that stable is. Yeah, long for. It's it's it's. AEW World. No. All right, here's a fun one: False Count Anywhere match, Jurassic Express and Christian Cage going up against a Super Click, the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. I'm gonna. Who go, we got? I'm going Jurassic Express. I really think that they need to win, and I think if they get it over the Super Click, I think it'll kind of work more in their favor. The Super Click's been winning all the time, for the most part. I think they keep winning. I think Super Click okay. wins here. Really? You think Adam Cole's going to lose? He doesn't have to be the one that takes the fall. Boop. Adam Cole. Adam Cole's going to lose. Look. When it comes to teams. Christian Cage did a pretty heelish thing of doing the concerto, the concerto to yeah. Adam Cole. Yeah. Ooh. That's true, too. I was going to say, we got to I'll be different. I'll be different. I do have a sidebar with, uh, with Kurt on this. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Do tell. Because I think Superclick wins. And I think that... You know, Dark Order kind of still upset losing to him uh, previously. They come in, kind of interject into it, and I think we're going to see the debut of Wyndham Rotunda at this time. Now, we had three debuts at AEW All Out. I would not be surprised <coughs> if we get at least one 
surprise, so to say. And if it is Wyndham Rotunda, which it very well could be. He is now. He is now. He's already had a 90-day compete, 90 compete. He's been a free agent October 29th. Everybody's speculation is he he might make his debut. We'll see. So wait, is a side bet, will Wyndham Rotunda make his debut, yes or no? Yes. Uh, well, I, yeah, it's in this match. It's Ooh, in this, this match. match. I have two scenarios, but I'm going to say this match. Okay, so this match, I'm going to say no. So you can you can count that as well as sidebar bet. No. Okay. All right. Moving on. That's Minneapolis good. street fight. We have the inner circle of Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager, Santana, and Ortiz going up against American Men of the Year and America's Top Team. Junior Dos Santos, Andre Olaski, and Dan Labert himself. Inner circle wins. I got I got American top two. Ooh, okay. I really think it'd be uh it'd be interesting. I'm loving Dan Lambert. I'm loving what America's top team doing, but realistically, how much longer can ATT be on the net? You know what I mean? Like yeah, I mean, that, dude, that, so. like th- for that reason, just because I do feel like Dan Lambert needs to get his comeuppance at some point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's got to be inner circle here. That, that that's why I feel they win. You've got America's top team. I got him. Ramsey, who you got? Inner circle. There we go. Okay. We got the World Titer Eliminator Tournament Finals. Uh, Brian Danielson going up against Miro, who was a last-minute replacement for John Moxley. By the way, John Moxley, I hope you have a successful stint in rehab. Uh, I hope it works out well, man. We miss you, buddy. Get well. You know what I need? We need I need, like, a rampage bell. Every time I, I just need a rampage. Just go for it, man. Because I have a question for this. Why the fuck do they have fucking uh, rankings and they keep fucking standings if we're going to have a fucking world eliminated tournament? After we just had a fucking ladder match to determine to get a contract for a world fucking title. What the fuck are they doing? Now, to Ramsey's point, I can't deny that because we talked about this off mic before the show started. Because he brought that up, like, why do we have a tournament when we just dictated a ladder match for the number one contender? And, I, and my whole thing is, I'm like, it's wrestling. Don't overthink it. But why it, do we have standing? Why do you put... And the rankings you, I will give you. Why do you put out rankings when it seems like they don't, it don't matter? When they first originally came out and said, rankings matter. Mm-hmm. And then now we're not doing rankings. Like, what the fuck? I mean, tournaments are always kind of fun when you know that, like, hey, this is the next guy to fight this guy, and it gives you something to look forward to week to week as the tournament progresses. Well, and they did it, they did it last year too. Like they, they did. did the world title eliminator leading up to full gear. Yeah, they did it on full gear. Full the gear. Finals, yeah. So I mean, this is I think something that they're looking this to. This is keep their on new pay per view theme thing to do, and I'm cool. I'm all for it. I got uh, I got Brian Danielson. Me too. I've got Miro. Now, and I know where you're going. And, and again, I'll tell you why. Because yeah. seeing what's going to probably happen later in the night or with my prediction, I feel like we need to start building up credible heel contenders uh, to go against a babyface uh, baby champion. And I feel like if, if Moxley were in this scenario still, Moxley would have been the winner here, cheating to win over Dan- uh, Brian Danielson. I feel like now you put Miro in this place and it's a perfect thing. He just dropped the he just dropped the uh, T, uh, TNT title. Um, he's trying to get back in his God's graces. Feel like he wins this. Not that he necessarily goes on to win the World Heavyweight Championship, 
But again, we need to start building up some credible heel contenders. And Brian Danielson doesn't need to be in the world title picture yet. He can still have a classic match with the likes of Sam Punk or Kenny Omega or any other big name. And the world title doesn't need to be on the line. So, as much as I love Brian Danielson, I got oh, mirrored. Sorry, I disagree one. because when you have the two people that consider the probably the best of the best in the business, you kind of want them going forward. They battle. had a thirty-minute tie uh, draw at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. That was a banger of a match. You need to have that match for the world title, and you need to have it for sixty minutes or however long you deem it to be on a pay-per-view. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's kind of what I was thinking with Brian Danielson. But to your point. If they do go that way, now well, hold on. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. We forgot we do have one more match. Well, yeah, hold yeah. on. Let's just we'll, we'll the, tie the it all a, together. We'll eventually. tie it all together. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the card. We got the AEW World Tag Team Champions. We got the Lucha Brothers versus FTR. I got Lucha Brothers because FTR beat them for the AAA Tag Team Champions. It just makes sense to me to have the Lucha Brothers win this. Lucha Brothers retain. No, I think Ramsey might have a different take. Yeah. No, Ramsey, go ahead. FTR. He's got right. FTR. He thinks they're gonna. They're gonna Combine the belt somehow, belts. and they, I'm like, they're gonna look. It's just like, just think what they've been doing since this whole gimmick with, with more not gimmick but with the promotions. They're putting the titles, both titles on, on, on their wrestlers. I mean, why not? So you're just gonna have like, it's it's one of the it's those perceptions. Like, do you want to have two tag teams that have belts that that show up? No. You can have one one belt, like have one tag team with the belts. Why well, have two? It, it, it's going to diminish your product. Okay. Yeah, that, that's your opinion, I, and that's cool. All. I, yeah, I just don't. I don't think that's going to happen. If it happens, then I disagree. But we have the AEW Women's World Championship match between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, going up against Ty Conti. Who do we have in this one? Oh man, every week I just Britt Baker <laughs> signing. Look, I love Tekanti, I really do, but it's not her. It's not her time. Britt Baker. It, is is it even really a question? I know. It's, is it even a question? It's DMD all day, baby. Exactly. Now I'm, we. I'm gonna pick Britt Baker, but you know what? At anybody, Tekanti is the most deserving person has it because she's the only person that's been consistently wrestling in the women's division. She actually has been. Yeah, on and off. She really has been. Yeah. Twenty nine and four this year, yeah. where Britt, Britt is eighteen and one. Between her and Dunder Rosa, they're the two that's been wrestling the most. They're saving that feud up for next year, and that's why you just got to keep doing Britt Baker. But yeah, she should, she should, should be recognized for sure. Um, and we got our main event. Now we got a main event. We can tie up what we were getting up to earlier with the World Title Eliminator Finals. Randy's got Miro winning because he sees. Or maybe I should just get my. Well, no, 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 y'all, y'all go okay, ahead. So, go uh, we were just talking about with Arthur Ashe Stadium with Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. You never got the rematch. I got Brian Danielson winning the world title eliminator. I got Kenny Omega winning the world title again for shenanigans, hooligans. But I could be wrong. That's just the way I see it going. I wouldn't be shocked if what you're about to say happens at all. I could see. I was like flipping a coin, you know, because I was thinking the same thing. But I'm gonna go that way. So, 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 I'm picking, I'm picking Omega because if Omega's eight one one right now, and he loses to Adam Page, he'll be eight two one. Wouldn't he be like kind of like guaranteed a rematch? Wouldn't he be the number one contender? 
So why would you have a number one contender when most likely the number one contender this, would have been well, Kenny Omega? Kind of showing your point. I, well, it might, might not because this is in WWE where we don't do automatic rematches, to my knowledge, with AEW. So he's not guaranteed to get an extra title shot right away because Daniel Bryan is officially the number one contender. But you could you make a triple threat match. The fucking vice president doesn't want to do the fucking... I'm just saying. That, to me, it doesn't make sense because normally when you're... If you're a champion, especially a champion that's been holding the belt for this long, and you don't get a fucking rematch, eh, I don't know. I also think that Hangman's page, his momentum has slowed down because of the time he took off for having a baby. It was just kind of like, you had this huge push of momentum, and then it kind of got stifled, which we all understand. You had a kid, you need to take time off, but it kind of lowered your momentum to me just a little bit. But at the same point in time, if you look at what was going on with him leading up to that, he had lost his... Um, he kept well, losing well, no, time after he, time. He was losing, and yeah. then he also lost his chance at the world title by doing that 5-on-5 five five match with mm-hmm. uh, with Dark Order and... Um, the the, the, the Elite, yeah. Yeah, with the Elite. So, I mean, it was one of those things. He was on the losing streak. He went away for a while with the kid, and then when he came back, I feel like he's been red hot ever since. He's been over with the fans. Um, look... I feel like the time is now. We've been slow playing this, and it's been great storytelling for the last two years with Hangman Adam Page. Um, really, since that first all-in pay-per-view, or not the all-in, but the first AEW pay-per-view where we crowned an AEW heavyweight champion, we've been building to this moment with Hangman Page always coming up short. His time is now. He wins the AEW title. Maybe... You think, oh well, the, the the elite can come in and and, and you know it's going to be a schmoz finish or whatever. I feel like Dark Order is going to be there for the assist. I feel like, look, the time is now. You got to strike while the iron's hot. Hangman Adam Page wins. We have a babyface champion, and this justifies some of my earlier picks of building up credible heels to compete for the belt. Go ahead, Ramsey. I know you're ready to jump in. So I, this was not my sidebar, but this was the other thing I I thought about about this one. This is when also a point where Bray, the the former Bray Wyatt could interject and get, and make and make Adam Page lose his opportunity because when like he's say, trying to take over the Dark Order, maybe this is when he interjects and says, "Oh, they're they're following him and cost his cost Adam Page his chance for the of the title." See, but like you keep uh, like, and I know, and I know we used to say that. Well, no, I know we used to say this a lot of like, oh, well, you know, if Bray Wyatt ever went to AEW, he would seem like a natural fit to take over for the Dark Order. But well, he's already come out multiple times though and said he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want to degrade the legacy of his friend and Brody Lee. So that's the only reason why I don't see that happening. Now, does he maybe debut at the you know at the after the match is over to take out the newly crowned champion and maybe again that's a feud we build down the road possibly. Well, but I mean, we also we with? also don't necessarily know how Wyndham Rotunda is going to debut. You in know, AEW. If, he, if he does that, like what end. character is he going to be when he goes to AEW? Well, we'll probably know by Thursday. He'll probably put something on on, on Twitter. But I, you know, he's going to be a fucking heel. That, that's well, no, I know, matters. but we also don't know what type of heel he's going to be. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, look, 
I'd rather see. I like the lovable loser thing. Like, you know, you're projecting Dreamer. your Tommy Dreamer. Uh, Tommy baby. Dreamer lose, lose a couple more times. He lose. He's a loser. He's a fucking loser. And in the five, four, four times he lose the title matches, and the fifth one he wins. Boom! Bring it make, makes it even more. You know, he's also too too young, and there's other people that will bring that trope, that that belt you know higher. Because right now, it's about what title could be the most cherished and right now AEW has a chance to make that the most cherished title in, in the sport in, in this country and if you have like the post champions and champions of champions continue winning the belt it makes it more relevant right now it's almost there I mean look I said who I thought I could totally see it Randy going that your way as well that wouldn't be surprised. Do I want to see Adam Page versus Miro? Fuck no. Do I want to see uh, Omega versus uh, Danielson for a title? Fuck yeah. No, that I can't disagree with either. But I'd take either one, honestly. But which one do I rather prefer? Which one on paper is going to sell you more tickets? Come on, man. We all know Omega, Daniel Bryan. But we'll see. We shall see. That's what's fun about this, man. It keeps you guessing. Hey, we don't know. And you know what? And again, we, we were talking about we didn't see too many face versus faces uh, or face versus face big marquee matches in WCW. Hey, maybe Brian Danielson does win. And maybe we get Brian Danielson versus Hangman Adam Page for the belt. That again, so, I'd sign up for that. I mean, I'm cool with that. There's yeah. several different ways we could go with it. I just feel like it, 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 Miro's character could definitely benefit from being in the main event title picture. I agree with that. So, so, but I mean, look, that's it again. He's back in WWE again. Hey, look, let, let, let's be real here. The only reason why you're one point ahead of me is because we made that stupid bullshit side bet, and you and you capitalized on it. Kudos to you. You know what? I'm retaking my lead. First, no, no. First thing, I actually took some uh, wild guesses. I took some chances. Mm-hmm. I took some chances on on the last one. So, yeah, that would have been a three point lead if I would have went with my original decisions. Mm-hmm. So, I still have the better win loss record, right? Or the best win loss record? Yeah. Okay. But so guess what? Say. It's like it's like any show. Who gets the most points? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, we'll see after this weekend. I think I'm retaking my uh, claim on the throne. TNK, you want to tell us what we're going to be doing on next week's podcast? Well, actually, we're going to be talking, discussing, since we're sticking on 2001, we're going to keep it up with uh, WB 2001, because it's been 20 years, which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. 20 years since the infamous 2001 WWE, which was obviously the invasion angle. We just touched on it now, and so... Well, we didn't even touch on the invasion. Well, I mean, like we, we were well, gonna save it for next week. ECW but. and WWE, you know where we're going. What the year that was, two thousand one for WWE. What could have been is really what I'm gonna really be discussing because we know what was. It was really the biggest year for him, but it, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting because what could have been, what was. Hey, man, it's always fun to ponder. Oh yeah. Uh, it should be a fun show. Ramsey, any uh, closing thoughts on the stat side of things? Uh, January 13th, 2001. There was a better wrestling match than the last ECW card. I wrestled two strippers, so that was all my... I thought you were talking about wrestling like all your brothers. That was the best wrestling match that night. Mud wrestling, jello wrestling, Vaseline, or just straight up? Hey, man. Uh, champagne room. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
and say, I didn't win, I didn't lose. <laughs> All right, we'll call it a draw. Exactly. Everybody was happy. So, you um, know, I mean, look, on that note, I guess that's the show. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. So, for another episode of the Raging Mars Wrestling Podcast, I'm TNK. Ravishing Randy. Yeah. Uh, Rampage Ramsey, he's all in his head, man. Next week. Oh yeah, oh yeah, breaking news. Next week, I will be missing completely. Oh, we'll see. It'll be a two-man show. Oh, we'll work it out. But no, man, we're gonna have a hell of a show next week because it is WCW. We're gonna be doing a lot of what ifs, man. I'm gonna make it fun. We'll make it entertaining. Yeah, no, it'll be a great show. We appreciate y'all listening as always. Thank you for tuning in for another week and. uh, We'll see you next week. Till then, take care.